This is Daisenshu EX, the podcast, episode 106 for the week of December 9th, 2007. Welcome to Daisenshu EX, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Daisenshu EX. That is correct. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bits of the entertaining. What's going on to interwebs? Hi, hi. I don't know what's going on on the interwebs. I don't live there. I was there yeah. earlier today. It was frightening. I'm sorry. Let's uh, say hello to people. I have over here to my less than proverbial right a woman, and her name is Mary. Hi. Yay, I'm glad I have a name now. You've always had this name yes. on this show. Mm-hmm. You're not changing I have some names. aliases. Anytime soon, you're going to be something else, sir. I can't tell you. That'll ruin my plans for world domination. That's very true. How about uh, that guy over in Japan? Does he have an alias? My alias is, um, I don't know, the first thing that people say at school is Ego no Sensei, the English <laughs> teacher. Like, I have a name, you know. No, you don't. But Maybe they have trouble pronouncing it. Not my first name. <laughs> Surely th- there's an L in there. They have problems with that. I can get by. I mean, it's not perfect, but... <laughs> but you are Julian, and you are in Japan. Yes, that's correct. I'm in Osaka Prefecture. Fantastic. We'll come back to you momentarily, because oh. I'll say who I am. I am Mike Vegito EX, and we shall now return to you, Julian, because you're over in Japan. And as yes. this is a Dragon Ball podcast, Dragon Ball does come from Japan, and somehow yes. this relates in some extraneous way or something like that. Yes. In fact, uh, just yesterday, I was giving a little fun quiz to the second year junior high school students, which equates to eighth grade in the U.S. And um, so it was basically what they thought a series of road and other signs from English-speaking countries meant. And ah. one of those signs that I included on the test was a railroad crossing. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. uh, you're going to have to visualize this, but basically it's a yellow sign with two R's next to each other and an X. <laughs> and so one, one of the groups that was like trying to figure it out, they wrote down... Red Ribbon Honbu, which is Red Ribbon Army General Headquarters. That, 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 that's not right. Yes, it is. That kid gets an A plus. From here on out, railroad sign officially means Red Ribbon Army Headquarters. Can I admit that I always secretly thought that once I became a Dragon Ball fan? Wow. I was like, I knew it was a railroad crossing sign, but I look at it and be like, Red Ribbon. Oh, oh, oh. Such a nerd. You fucking nerds. Yes. And by that, I mean uh, Mary okay. and the Japanese school children. That, Great. Julian, I, I have to admit, that has been the best story you've ever told, ever, on the podcast in 100 episodes. It was pretty funny. Yeah, I enjoy it. Oh, maybe it wasn't the best, but it's certainly high up there. I it, like I'd that. probably lose it if I was <laughs> I there. Wanna, I'd be so hysterical. I would probably get on the, the edge of being creepy towards the child from there on out. <laughs> oh, no. Like, you got to be my best friend. You love Dragon Ball. And then the other teachers would be like, no, no, too young, too young. Wait another year. <laughs> One more oh, year. The, the it's kids okay. would be like, but everybody knows Dragon Ball. How is this odd? Exactly. Cool. You get any other stories, be they Dragon Ball related or other? You had a test uh, a little less than a week ago. Yeah, I had the Japanese proficiency test, level two, which is the second highest. I think I did okay, but they don't give you a huge amount of time to write down your answers, so it's like. Go with your first instinct, then move on. And you don't get time right. to really go back and check things over. All right, let's so, stop there. Mary. Okay. 
Okay. Back in school, many, many eons ago, back in the age of about? dinosaurs when you were in school, when you did tests in school, were you the type of kid that would go back and double check their answers? I had the time to, because depending on the test, I would finish fairly quickly, but I well, would see, not... I knew that. I always had the extra time too. Did you go back and check your answers? For math, I might have. For everything else, no, because I figured there's no point. Right. I'm, I'm with you. Even in math, I didn't do it. I either knew it or I didn't. Well, I guess in math, sometimes it's futile. But when I was a kid, I had a really bad habit of um, messing up, you know, the work. They, uh-huh. what, you know, and they make you show your work. Show your work, yeah. I would yeah, always yeah. mess up in the work. And you know what? I'd still do that for basic math if I'm at my desk <laughs> and I need to do some math. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't know basic carry over the one shit. So <laughs> I'm really silly in that respect. But overall, no, I wouldn't go back and make use of that time because I figured how it was about futile. You? Would you go back and check your work? Um, I like to. I mean, it's part of who I am. I get paranoid about maybe I made a mistake, so I want to go back and right. check. I think at the very least, I actually understood um, most of the questions this time. Uh-huh. When I took the practice test two years ago, I'm like, what are these kanji? What do they mean? I don't know what this is. I don't even know what it's asking me. <laughs> um, so that, that was a bit of a problem. This time I knew what I was being asked, but I wasn't always quite sure of the answer. Gotcha. But I think generally speaking, I did pretty well. The only one thing was in the reading section, it started out with a real doozy that took me about three read-throughs to get what it meant. Uh, After that, they were fine, but it was like the first one they chose to specifically intimidate you or something. Well, I look forward <laughs> to hearing how you did on it. You won't know until, what, February, you said? Yeah, Wowza. February. But I think I'll do okay. I just need to wait and see. Awesome. All right, well, that's Julian. He's got uh, the Red Ribbon Army-loving kids. Oh, you know what I am yes. curious about? Okay. While we're on the subject of Julian in Japan. Okay. Do these kids know that there is currently a live-action version of Dragon Ball Z being made as a movie Great in question. the U.S.? Because I would love to hear their reaction. Because I know, know, as a fan, I, I know what know. my reaction is, but, you know. <laughs> I think totally- I might tell some of the elementary schoolers on Tuesday. Yeah, do that. And then next week, I want to hear what they have to say. Okay. Cool. You could be like, I'm conducting a survey. Julian in the field. <laughs> oh, dear. Field Senior report. childhood studies reporter. Correspondent. Correspondent, thank you. I knew I was going to fuck something up there. Fantastic. Julian's over in Japan, hanging out with the kids way too much. Mary, what is up with you? Um, Dragon Ball-wise, not much. I mean, okay. anything Dragon Ball-wise is on this show. Fair enough. Life-wise, I had a holiday party at work today, which I've never done before because I've worked in shitholes. Okay. (laughs) So it was quite interesting. There was dancing and prizes, and I didn't partake in either. Fantastic. Uh, Maybe not. I I wanted a prize. All right, fine, whatever. I'll give you a prize. Here's the stereo remote. Here's your prize. Oh, boy, just what I always wanted. So. And you? I get. I was going to say, I guess you have nothing else? Uh, no. I mean, it's holiday time. I'm busy purchasing right. and whatnot. It's not terribly exciting. Fine. Fine. I'm, uh, I'm Mike. I have an ear infection. Oh, yes. It hurts less than it has hurt. I can wear headphones. Yeah, I noticed I'm not that. in pain from Julian's voice. You're not crying and, no. you know, curl up in a fetal position. Mm-hmm. 
Good stuff. And uh, Sparky Meteor stuff's been going on. Let's talk about that. Uh, let's talk about this episode because that's kind of where I'm going with this. This is episode 106. Mary, it has been a while since Sparking Meteor came out. Sparking Meteor came out in Japan on October 4th for the PS2. And we did our initial thoughts on the game back on episode 99, which was October 21st when that came out. This episode, Mary, you and I will do our final thoughts on right, Sparking seven Meteor. weeks later. Let's right. See what we think. It's been a very exciting seven weeks, though. You know, we had our 100th episode. The live action news has been extraordinary. We've had the Atari Funimation fiasco going on. So, you know, we're finally getting back into the swing of things. Like, yes, we can actually do content now. <laughs> Although we did review the live action movie. We did. The Chinese one, so. Right, right. That was something. Although. The problem with Sparking Meteor, and we'll talk about this later, is the time of year that it came out. I feel really bad for the American fans, not that we're not American fans, but those who waited for the American version of the game, because it's Mario Galaxy, Mass Effect, Assassin's Creed, Rock Band time. At least the Japanese version had a couple weeks buffer period there where we could get in a little extra time. So, you know, if you're a Dragon Ball fan and, like, a regular gaming fan, you had a lot to pick up the last couple weeks. But we will talk more about Sparking Meteor with our final thoughts as the topic for this episode. Julian will sit out on that because, Mary, you and I haven't recorded it yet, but you and I will record it ourselves at a later point in time, probably tomorrow afternoon. Okay. So we'll do that. And, Julian, you'll be here for everything else this episode. Yep. So let's just follow up on something from last week. We had an email from Albert asking about the availability of that uh, remastered live-action movie. We pointed everyone over to Amazon. When I checked soon afterwards when we put the episode up, Amazon said they had two left in stock. <laughs> That's so, fabulous. Julian, I believe your theory that we are driving up sales of this movie are indeed true. Even though we had an overwhelmingly negative review. Was it really, though? It was entertaining. Like, I, I firmly believe that movie is so bad that it circles back around again to being entertaining. Yeah, I mean, we had a good time. Absolutely. So, we'll leave With it With alcohol, though. Yes. Could you Very do that without true. drinking? Alcohol and lots of people, so uh, take that with a grain of salt. Anyways, my update for this is Amazon no longer has two left in stock. It's just plain old in stock. So, you know, if you ran out the first time, they're back again for you. You can go pick it up. So that is awesome. Um, anything else that we need to follow up on? Anything going on? Or should we just get over to the news? Thoughts? Concerns? News? Someone agree with me? Yes! All right. So after the lack of news last week, we do have news this week, and it's kind of all over the place. We got some live-action movie news, we got some Funimation news, and we got some, like, Dragon Ball in the media sort of kind of news. Let's talk about the live-action stuff. Almost always something with this. That's pretty good. Yeah, good things here, I, I suppose. Yeah. So, Anime News Network, and actually this came from The Hollywood Reporter. See, that's the thing. When you source news, make sure that you're sourcing the source as well. Like, this didn't come from Anime News Network. They got it from The Hollywood Reporter. So I think it's important to track back to the original source, because otherwise you have hearsay going on. Anyways, Hollywood Reporter has... Um, I guess you would say reported that someone named Jamie Chung is going to be uh, Chi-Chi in the live-action Dragon Ball movie coming out. I had no idea who this person was. Apparently they were on The Real World or something like that. Oh boy, what great credentials. Uh, Chung, whose credits include ABC's Samurai Girl and Greek, is blah blah blah. And yeah, I have no idea who this person is. Julian, thoughts? Um... 
I have no idea. <laughs> Mary, this is Jamie Chung. Chi Chi, what do you think? She looks like a sorority girl. There's a picture? Uh, I, I just did Google image search. Oh, I see what she looks like did a there. generic slutty Asian, so I'm sure our fan base will be happy. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's harsh. Wow, Mary. Where did that come from? Well, you you asked much. what I thought. I looked over at your monitor. I see a slutty-looking Asian. What do you want me to say? But this is nothing new for this computer. There's always <laughs> slutty-looking Asians over on this computer. Lies, lies, I say. <laughs> they are lies. So I guess that's that bit of news. Let's talk about other stuff. We've mentioned this uh, Bardock and Trunks double feature just coming out for quite some time. Uh, we knew what it was. Now we have cover art for it that we have up on the homepage of the site. So let's pull this image up. Mary, first things yeah. first, that is Trunks in the center oh, of the picture. hot. I had that poster back when I was probably yes. older than I should be, but I eventually sold it. It was it was great. That's you one of my favorite trunks. I sold it. I sold it. Who the hell and are you from? I am from the planet Shold. Um, it was one of my favorite trunks pictures. It's actually an anime version of a manga drawing, right, I believe. Right. Uh, I'm a little bit sad that there's not much in the way of Bardock on that cover. I think it's extremely yeah, misleading and too is. black. Well, let's talk about this because trunks is in the foreground. Not that I mind. Like, faded stuff in the background that's kind of broken up left and right. What's really interesting to me is that Bardock picture. That's the eye catch picture. The yes. eye catches weren't in Funimation's original releases of the TV But specials. they used the eye catch as the cover for the original. It, yeah, press. yeah, they did, which I always found, I guess you would say ironic that, you know, they ignored the eye catches and then used that art as something. And then there's uh, the Scar Gohan over on the right there. So, I mean, other than it being cover art, what do we think about this? As a design, I mean, I like it. It's pretty But neat. as a cover for a DVD that's supposed to be showing it's a double feature, it fails. I, I think me. that's important to note. Yeah, it doesn't... I mean, it sort of does with the two titles, but it's very misleading. I have some additional thoughts on this, though. Okay. We don't need to say that we're not fans of the dub. Everyone knows this at this point. But I'd like to specifically address something about the dub. The dubs for these movies had, just like Movie 4 going on back then, had a lot of licensed music in the movies for their home release. And from what I understand, when Toonami aired these TV specials, a lot of that licensed music was removed from that TV What was broadcast. it replaced with? Do you know? I don't know if it was like more Falconer or Menza music or something like that. But it was replaced. It wasn't silent. Interesting. It was replaced with music. The deal with this is they're re-releasing the two TV specials. This release is that same faux remastered format that the season sets are receiving, which itself kind of brings up the question of music from that perspective, because the season sets have the three audio options. You have the original oh. Japanese, you have a TV broadcast track, and then you have an English dub with the Japanese music. That could be interesting. So I think we'll probably get one of those you know, English dubs with the Japanese music, but for the dub fans... What are they going to get for a dub on this release? Yeah, because they, uh, their you know, history with this particular release is a bit odd. Yeah, are they going to get the quote-unquote TV broadcast version? Because that was different from the original. Does the license for that music still apply to home releases? No one really knows. There's been no information about this or anything like that. So we'll just say that this comes out on February 19th next year. Retail price is twenty nine ninety eight. You can get it a lot cheaper. Lots of places online. They're all doing the pre-orders on it. So I think that's all we have to say about this. Any other thoughts on it or its cover or its content or anything like that? If it wasn't the Fode Remaster stuff and if we had 
Is this just a regular DVD? It's a regular, yeah, we should say this is a regular DVD. This is not Blu-ray. Okay, I don't know why I thought it was. Maybe it was that band going across the top. Well, another confusing thing is they recently did that Broly double feature on Blu-ray. Yeah. And this is not that. Um, we should say this is just standard DVD. Any other thoughts? Good question, Mary. Appreciate it. Um, I guess get it if you, you know, missed out on the first run. But yeah, I would try harder to find the old releases since they're quote-unquote more proper, even right. though it is missing stuff. Well, they were missing the eye catch. And I remember one specific edit in the trunk special. There's an eye catch right after the scene. Should we spoil the movie when Gohan dies? You know, when Trunks slams his hands on the ground, there's an eye catch right after that. And in the release that Funimation did, since they cut out the eye catch, what they did was like a cross dissolve into the next scene. So maybe they'll change that. Maybe they'll put the eye catches back in. I don't know. Well, so because let's... when they came out originally, they were just billed as like movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. I don't know what they're calling them this time around. I don't the, know if they're, they're calling no. it a double feature. I don't think the word movie is on here. Mm. Kind of rambling about these now so i think you have all the information if you need anything else we have it all pretty well outlined outline that's the word i'm looking for outlined on the homepage of the site we have one last bit of news and this will actually tie into our top five list oh I, i'm sorry don't we have another bit of movie news we do um extras in mexico unless we already talked about that oh holy shits i forgot about that mary you were so smart you I remember am. things more than i do it's actually up on the page right now, and it's I totally missed it. It's a big friggin' image, too. I know. So, apparently, there's been an open casting call for this upcoming live-action movie. It looks like the uh, Durango Mexico stuff is indeed accurate. Uh, IESB.net had the information on this. So, apparently, Julio Toledo uh, Extras Casting put out this info. There's actually scans of the the sheets or the flyers or everything. So this seems pretty on the ball that this is actually going on. It looks like they want people from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. and no experience is required, although they might take some uh, martial arts students or something like that. So, uh, thoughts on this? So now there's no doubt that this is being filmed in Mexico as opposed to those earlier Canada reports. Well, I think even the latest Mexico stuff was saying the majority of it will be filmed there, although some may be filmed elsewhere. But this seems to substantiate that. So for cheap extras, go to Mexico. Yeah, if you're down there, I mean, go be in the Dragon Ball movie. That would be pretty awesome. Or humiliating. I don't know. Mary, thoughts on the open casting call? Go. It's probably cheap labor. It, it makes sense. <laughs> Julian. God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't know in any way I can top Mary's comments for this episode. <laughs> Mary, I'm so I'm so snide this episode. I'm sorry. That's all right. I don't know what's um, going on. That's why you're here. I, I mean, I think generally people cast extras from wherever the movie's being shot, so it's not really a surprise. I well, mean, all right. Here's in, the big question: Why do they need extras? What are the extras going to do in this? Maybe movie? they'll be in a obligatory tournament scene. Okay, maybe a tournament, maybe it's school. I fully believe that everyone's going to die. Okay. Yes, these are my thoughts. I am sticking to them. Let's get out of this news because it pains me so. Let's talk about stuff over on IGN, which is, I guess you would say, just an entertainment website at this point. So they had a feature, Dragon Ball Z Top 10 Plot Twists, that went up on December 5th from David Smith over there. I didn't know they had an anime section in their entertainment area, but apparently they do. So this was up. It's very, very dub-centric. Um, you know, all the dub name spelling 
songs and references and stuff like that. Mary, I think you actually read it closer than I did. Possibly. It was yesterday and I've already forgotten, but go (laughs) ahead. No, I was going to say, what do you have to say about this list? Um... I thought it was actually really well written, like dub names aside. I thought it was right. pretty witty. You know, I was um, going to say the author seemed to have a pretty decent insight into the series. Yes. Like he, he knew exactly when Toriyama was writing it as he was going. <laughs> like There were um, two things I took issue with. Okay. However. There was um, a mention of, you know, Krillin having a girlfriend and she ran off with some guy in his car. But if I remember correctly, she ran off with him in like a speedboat or something. Like she kind of got picked up by several guys like off Kame Senen's beach. Oh, Marin. Yeah, Marin. Yeah, I think you're right. So, you know, that's just a minor detail. It wasn't a car. Were they uh, talking about 17? They were talking about 18 and how Krillin had bad luck with the ladies. Like, his previous girlfriend ran off of some oh, guy in a car. About his previous- oh, okay, right. gotcha, gotcha. The other thing I took issue with no, was... No, maybe maybe she did it in a different scene. Um, maybe. I you know, she was she, she was a little skank, so... I think what you're thinking of is when Marin was on Kami House, that island, when he wasn't there. It was just Kami Senin that was there. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, you're yeah. right. You know what's amusing is that she never actually calls Kuririn by his actual name. Kuririn-chan! Daka! She's, like, so short in the way she pronounces it. I know, it was fantastic. She's not that smart. <laughs> no, she doesn't even know his name. Anyways, what was the other thing you took issue with? He says that Bowman and Vegeta got married, and I've always been in, of the camp that they don't get married. They just shacked up together. Okay. And I don't know. I mean, I don't... He was saying, like, yes, it was in the show. They got married, and there's never any proof that they got married. I Although think, I think Vegeta does later on refer to her as his wife in well, the Boo Saga. Well, I think we've had this conversation, and whatever the wording was was vague enough that it could go both ways. Like, it was... Mm-hmm partner or so, I don't yeah. remember. Hopefully someone can correct us. Well, Julian, I guess that's do you what remember? I mean, is that it just seems vague to me. Um, can't remember. Alright, I'm sure uh, someone out there does, knows. Exactly. I think he does call her my wife at some point, but it's also the kind of situation where it doesn't necessarily have to be in a legal sort of right, sense. Right, right. You know, you're living together enough years. Oh, well. Alright. So that was Royal on Consort. I- on IGN. Royal Consort. Uh, Mary, this is going to relate to your top five list later Yippee in the episode. Yeehaw. So we will look forward to that. Have I forgotten any other news? You're good on picking up stuff here. Nope. I'm scrolling through the homepage of our website to make sure I haven't forgotten anything, and I think I hit everything. Mary, you say there's no more news? There is no more news. Julian, do you say that there is no more news? I guess there's no more news for right now. All right. With that said, we will take it to the world of tomorrow and our sparking meteor final thoughts. Mary, we are here today to give our final thoughts on Dragon Ball Z collectible card game for the Game Boy Advance. Oh my god, you just scared me because I was just about to be like, I didn't do my homework! <laughs> I actually tried playing it earlier. Yeah, I know. I, I, no idea whatsoever what to do in that game. Did I buy you that? If so, no, I, I feel bought really it on bad. eBay for like a buck. Okay. Yeah. Now I don't feel bad. Ah, good. Anyway, we are here, however, to give our final thoughts on, uh, let's see, a certain Sparking Meteor? Yes, yeah, Sparking Meteor, which I guess most 
most people are playing right now as Budokai Tenka Ichi 3. That is not the Budokai Tenkai Chi 3. It's the Sparking Meteor, which came out in Japan last month? No, two months ago. I'm so confused. October 4th is when it came out in Japan for the PS2. Just came out recently on the PS2 over here in the US, and even more recently on the Wii. So, you know, we did our initial thoughts on the game back on episode 99, so you can go check that out for, I guess, the, not the newcomer's perspective, because I've been playing all the games forever, but Mary, you kind of fell out of it for a while. Mm-hmm. You got a little more involved with this game than some of the previous games. A lot more involved. And by that, you mean, like, even playing a round or two is yeah. more involved. Well, yeah, and, you know, it doesn't make it sound very fair, you know, doing a review, but I feel like I have a much clearer understanding of what this series is now all about in this third iteration of the of the game. So we've already talked about the audio, the video, the gameplay, the presentation, all the stuff we usually do. We're going to ignore all that and give, I guess, like I said, our final thoughts on the game. We'll hit all the stuff we missed, uh, more things we've noticed about the game, more stuff I've put Mary through in <laughs> order to review the game. First thing I really want to talk about is what a time of year it is for games right now. It's really difficult for me to keep up with all the new games, including the old stuff I was playing. I'm so glad that I was pretty much done with Pokemon Pearl by the time like this time of year came around. I don't know what I would do if I was still playing Pokemon at all whatsoever. I want to start, I guess, when Sparking Meteor came out in Japan, came out on October 4th. It's very tough to be a Dragon Ball fan and also a regular gamer. Yeah, we said that earlier. The week before that, Halo 3 came out over here in the U.S. I want to do a quick rundown of Sparking Meteor when it came out in Japan up until today. Now, these will all just be American games, but I guess that's my perspective where, you know, I don't import every game that comes out in Japan. I pretty much import the Dragon Ball games and maybe some greatest hits now and then, but I also keep up with all the American stuff coming out. So let me run down the list of kind of like the heavy hitters from the time Sparking Meteor came out until now. Halo 3 that I just mentioned, Orange Box, Metroid Prime 3 Corruption, Guitar Hero 3, here's a little nerd one for you, Naruto Rise of a Ninja. If you're playing Dragon Ball, maybe you're also playing Naruto games. Ratchet and Clank Tools of Destruction, Call of Duty 4, Super Mario Galaxy, Assassin's Creed, Crisis, and then that's when Budokai Tenkaichi 3 came out over here in the US. And then also right around then, Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, Rock Band, Mass Effect, and then Budokai Tenkaichi 3 on the Wii. Those are like the heaviest hitters of the year, all in the span of kind of like six weeks-ish. And, you know, to be honest... This Dragon Ball game is kind of like B-lister, maybe oh, C-lister compared to some of these titles. So, you know, if you are a gamer... You're and, probably playing some of these other games. Yeah. And if you, even if you are a Dragon Ball fan, it might not necessarily be on the top of your list because things are pretty busy. But, you know, it's out there now. And if you are a big enough fan, maybe you have played it. Yeah. Um, what are we playing right now? I mean, we got Guitar Hero going on. We got Rock, Rock Band, Band going and on. Mario, and that's uh, Mario it. Galaxy. I think that's really all of this stuff that I'm playing right now. I'm not into FPSs. I don't know what I would be doing with my life right now if I was also playing Halo 3, Orange Box, maybe even like Call of Duty 4. Holy Hopefully crap. not playing that many games. Yeah, I know. I I probably would not be working. You'd or just be some bum somewhere. <laughs> I would just be a bum. Living exactly. in your mom's basement. Yeah, the, the <laughs> generic, you know, nerd stereotype. But let's get on with our final thoughts. Yeah, so like that's kind of where we're coming into this game with where there's all this other stuff going on. I think that actually hurts the series for me anyways for the first time. This has been the first Dragon Ball game in like six years where I haven't gone... It's kind of hard to say end of a fighting game because it's a fighting game you just always play. But in terms of like unlocking everything, I've had some breaks 
in my playing of this game. Because, you know, Rock Band came out, Mario came out. I've kind of been going on with that stuff. So for the first time for Dragon Ball for me, is Sparking getting old and I don't care about unlocking We've established everything? that there are far too many games out. And even if this was an amazing game, I mean, there's so, you know, little to give a shit about. Because why have we had, like, 7, 9, 11 games in the last <laughs> couple of years? Like, I'm just pulling those numbers out of my ass. But right, still, right. that adds to this monster season of games coming out. It's very hard to care. Right. You have to add, like, a significant amount to this iteration of the game. And that's not the game's fault. It's the gaming industry's fault for saving everything to the end of the year. So what we'll, well do holiday is, season. Yeah. We'll talk about what's in this game that would, you know, draw you in and make you want to do all this stuff or would, you know, prevent me and make me play Mario for a little bit. So we're going to actually, you know, we're not going to break it up into the video and the audio like we usually do, but I do have a couple sections we'll break it down into. First will just be general stuff. Then there's going to be modes, characters, and some more gameplay things. We always talk about gameplay. I say this most important part, so we'll, we'll kind of double focus on that in uh, both the initial and final thoughts. So more general stuff. You know, when we did our initial thoughts, we didn't even talk about the opening theme in the opening movie, which is the first thing you see. So it is an initial thought. It continues its tradition of being super lame, super gay. I'm sorry to use that term, but, you know, the characters look homosexual. <laughs> the song's really good, What though. do you mean they look homosexual? They look like they want to fuck each other. <laughs> like they want to stop their fight, they want to get on the ground and just pound each other's asses. But that aside, wow. I really like the song. Yeah, let's talk about the song. Um, I've mentioned some things in the past. It feels, this is to me an updated today Dragon Ball song. If there's going to be a new Dragon Ball song, more in the rockish style than in the nostalgic style, which I think the Budokai 3 opening went towards. The Budokai 2 opening and this opening are more of the, the rockish elements of the original. There's still something missing in this song, though. I think I crave that nostalgic side that I got in the Budokai 3 opening. Like, there's just something about this song that doesn't bring it up to like that A-list Dragon well, Ball Well, I don't song think level. they can all be winners. No, I, I agree. They can't all be. Regardless, hearing a new Dragon Ball song is always amazing to me. And they more or less nailed it with this song. Um, I just want to touch upon the animation <laughs> in addition to whatever you said. The situations that they put characters in. It's like, why is Gohan fighting, was it Janemba? I think so. And they do the, the Broly and Gogeta thing again, which is really strange. Like, it's such a fanboy kind of opening. Like, oh man, Broly smashing Gogeta is the strongest characters. Ugh! The only fight that's in there that makes sense to me is Manchin Vu versus Gotenks. Gotenks. Yeah. Yeah, does that actually happen? Yeah, exactly. Sort of. <laughs> uh, it, it is really strange, like really strange matchups and pairings, and the animation is really awkward. I hate the style so much. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, so I guess that's it for the opening theme. We have it available um, for download on the homepage of the site. Just a little MPEG to check it out if you haven't seen it on YouTube or you own the game or whatever. I don't think the American version has the vocal version, so uh, check that out. I do want to talk a little bit more about music in the game, though. We've already talked about, you know, the background themes and the looping and how you deal with all that. I wanted to touch upon how much music there is. I did a little comparison. There are 24 background music tracks in Sparking Meteor to choose from, as opposed to 22 in Sparking Neo. Now, the deal here is, you know, you're looking down the list, all right, two more, uh, whatever. We lost a couple. For example, the instrumental of Mind Power is not in Sparking Meteor. Boo! 
That's really sad. They kept in um, Psycho No Fusion and Solid State Scouter. I think a couple other of those. But like that one is out. We do have short and long instrumental vocal, so four total of the opening theme, Super Survivor. In the past games, we've had Head Shala and We Got a Power. So, you know, they're always keeping in the opening. But when you keep in mind 22 to 24, okay, we got those four of this one song. So they had to cut a couple. Like the math doesn't quite work out. We don't have everything that was in the last game, which is really sad to me because my complaint has been that the tracks are so short and they loop. I at least would want more of them to have a little more variety. And so they're kind of cutting down on that. And I, I felt it in this game playing through all the stages and stuff. They do feel a little more varied from time to time. Um, like I don't feel like I'm always getting the same one. So maybe their randomness was beefed up a little bit, but that's pretty much all I have to say about the music. Uh, let's talk about new character interactions. Really good stuff in this game. Um, the one in particular that I liked is actually kind of based off of the if story, sort of. If you match up uh, Hachan and number 16 together, I'll play the little dialogue here. Son Goku like, it's little touches like that that are really intriguing to me. These characters obviously would never have seen each other, but when you think about what one character's motivation would be, and when you match them up, like, you try to make things, and most of the time they will say something to each other. Which has always been something really cool in all of the recent games on the PS2, when you get that little banter between them. It's kind of like uh, throwing fans a bone with that kind of stuff. Uh, mentioned the what-if stories. I really like them this time. There weren't a whole lot. I think there were only maybe five in in that if-hen uh, branch in the story mode. But some of them were pretty interesting. I liked the Goku and Hachan versus 16 one. That was pretty neat. And then the last one, which was super long, which was like the Saiyajin versus Frieza. You had Selipa in there. You had Bardock in there. You had Dodori in there. It was kind of like playing the Bardock special with a little bit of extra stuff thrown. I think King Vegeta was in there. So they're making uh, like a battle royale of the Bardock special plus little filler elements. That stuff was neat. And what I like is how the story mode is done. Mary, I think you were mentioning how it's a little more fun to watch the story mode this time because in the background, the characters will be talking to each other. Did I say that? I think you did. I did because I'm thinking about it right now. I'm thinking, God, that's boring. But really? maybe, I don't know. It's I can't remember if you said it on the show or to me. I really me. don't remember. But the voices help. Yeah. Like if, if what I said was true, I guess. <laughs> I mean. Well, now in retrospect, thinking about it, do you think that's not true maybe then? If I can't remember it, it just shows it's extremely forgettable. Okay. <laughs> but I do, I think it's a nice touch, but not enough to make me like, oh, that was super awesome. It so. was different. It's something they haven't done. So to have them do it in this game. It made it really feel like the show. I'll give it that much. Definitely. Mary, I know the character profile screen, the first time I showed it to you, I played the... Aloha! And it was funny, but what I like about the character profile section now is uh, the characters zoom in, like you can view the character model and spin around it. For the first time, you get a really detailed look at everyone. You can read their little bios and hear their voice samples and see the different outfits. So it's just a little extra touch in there that I like. One thing, uh, this is kind of hearsay for me because I don't have the Wii version, but if I understand correctly, uh, the, the passwords have been broken. And what I mean by that is when you do make a custom character, you can get a password 
password and like quasi fight against someone and there have been some official password characters that have come out if i understand correctly what I mean by broken is that fans have kind of decoded what makes a password for a character. So they've kind of developed these overpowered characters that you shouldn't be able to make. So when you take those characters online, if you're coming up against these people, like it's almost worthless to fight that online because you can't make that kind of character. So I don't know. I haven't done that. I don't have the Wii version, but that's really sad to hear. And I think it could have been programmed a little better than that. Uh, I want to talk about items real briefly. The only time that I've used them thus far has been trying to make a power character to beat cell game <laughs> level three that's been the toughest one so far i really don't care about the items like when we play two player we just pick normal character and just yeah. go i feel like using items was more beneficial and more fun in the budokai i series. agree when you, and i don't know like some of them are the same they have the same outcome but it just maybe it fits better this seems like a pain in the ass in this game it really does like, yeah why would i bother with something that's a pain in the ass when in the other game it seems a little more user friendly yeah it seemed more user friendly quicker to access quicker to use and swap out and stuff i remember last manga next i played a couple rounds and i switched a couple items in and out real fast and like we went and that was it and you can't really do it as easily maybe you could but it just feels like a pain in the ass in this game last thing in general i want to mention is just the graphics i finally feel like they've reached a point that rivals budokai 3 to me i really haven't been keen on spike's graphics in the last games i don't know if that makes sense like keen on i don't know if i'm using well, the right not, word they don't wow you no but i feel like in this game like all the auras the effects um the smoothness the colors are right i still feel like budokai 3 got it best uh like the color schemes and uh, everything that goes into it but this is probably number two in my book i think i they, like the levels in this game a lot what's that you like the levels yeah or I you don't i do a little bit what about them i think they're pretty big and i think they look a lot like the show they're bigger than they have been i think some are frustrating to navigate like some of the city ones mm -hmm. but you know it's a challenge so i guess that's all right they're definitely they have more color to them especially um older stages the buildings maybe they have more dirt and that kind of stuff on them they're a little more detailed that's all good so that's going to wrap up the general let's talk about the modes for a little bit this kind of ties into the modes the dragon ball seem really scarce to me like i've been playing it since the game came out i still haven't completed one set of dragon balls now i'm not going out of my way to get them but i feel like i should probably be getting them a little more often than this uh, maybe that too is just a challenge of the game maybe i know you can only get them in a couple modes like the dragon history and uh the tournament but i've been playing those a lot and i don't know whatever um let's talk about the story mode we mentioned this earlier you know you have the talking in the background i Definitely, as I've played more of the game, I like how a whole, for instance, a movie will be within one fight rather than Goku fights this person. That fight ends. Continue with the movie in a different fight where Vegeta fights this person. Like Goku versus Metal Kula and Vegeta versus Metal Kula. It's all self-contained within one story and you switch out the characters, especially as the game has gone on. I like that more and more. It feels more fluid. I feel like I'm wasting less time if I lose. Um, that just, uh, I like it a lot more in this game. I like how how it was different. Talk about the tournament mode. thing I was saying to you the other day is how the novelty of uh, the mode where you unlock stuff for World Tournament where it's random. Not really random, but it increases its clock every time you go in. And then the difficulty changes every time. Novelty of that wears really thin once you're getting down to like one or two more things you need to unlock. Yeah, because you're you just have going to keep... in and like exiting. Yeah, it's going in and out. It reminds me of the old days yes. where you go into uh, lunch and shopping and you keep hearing the same one line of dialogue over and over followed by like Circle X 
Circle X. It gets really obnoxious after a while. I thought it was neat at first. Like, oh, this is a twist. I don't know which one I'm going to get next. But now that I'm waiting on Cell Game Level 3, <laughs> what a pain in the ass. Dragon Sim Mode. Mary, I don't think I've shown you this at all. It was fun once or twice, and otherwise it's totally worthless. It, there's like a menu on the right, and you pick if you want to train or heal, rest or something. Then after 10 turns, you actually do a fight, and the fight is based off of whatever stats you've gained. All it is is it's everything you hate about the games where you do a bunch of stuff, which results in a fight. Mm-hmm. I'm glad there was something different in there, but it's nothing I'm ever going to revisit. I did it once or twice. Oh, that was neat. Okay, moving on. Talk about Disc Fusion. You actually watched me do this the other night. Yeah, it was neat, but kind of, I thought it was a worthless feature. It, it really does seem like a worthless feature. Like, I know what those battles were in Neo. Why couldn't you just give me the same fights rather than making me swap out the discs to fight all of Ginyu in a row? Why couldn't I just fight all of Ginyu in a row? That seemed kind of lame. So the ones I did, I did Disc Fusion with Sparking Neo. I did the Ginyu Toksentai fight and I got a B, and then I did the Jinzo Ningen one and got an A on that one. And that's probably as far as I'll take that disc fusion system, because if I want to fight a bunch of characters, I'll just fight a bunch of characters. It's... It was a nice little incentive for the PS2 owners. You know, you're not going to get online play. You've been buying the games up until now. Ah, throw them something that they can do with their past games. So at least they thought ahead on that. Let's talk about characters for a little bit. Mary, you've been very big on characters because the point of the game is lots of characters. Play with them a couple times. Have some fun. Now that more have been unlocked, I know you were playing with a Raleigh the other night. Yeah, just because I haven't done it yet. What was fun about some of these characters, some of the new ones that well, we've gotten? Well, she felt different, which is a big proponent of characters that feel different. You know, she had her limitations and she had her strengths and she felt different because she's so tiny but she does some crazy stuff and I liked her character animations and voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, she was really funny animated. I mean, okay, so you got all these tons of characters. I'm still finding myself just playing Trunks and Gohan and Vegeta over and over again. So <laughs> Why not, is that? I'm just going to go and use my favorite characters. It's it's a favorite character thing. That's yeah. why I'm using them. Let's talk about the the amount of characters and who. I like the inclusion of characters like Blue and that's Akamon cool. and Weirdo. Uh, I feel like it fleshes out the, I guess you would say the saga, the era availability of characters. Yes. We've always had, you know, a movie character or one person from a saga where there have been lots of people in that saga. And so they kind of not fibbed or they faked a saga by having like Kudadin versus uh, Kami Sinin's alternate outfit, which was Jackie Chun. Like that's how they would make a fight from Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. Now that we have some of these more characters, I feel like they can justify having a whole Dragon Ball era in Dragon history. And it's just nice having some of these older characters that we really love, especially as we're doing this manga review of Awesomeness. Playing as Blue and Arale and Akamon, that's fun stuff. Akamon's got his uh, What If story where he fights Frieza and very good good stuff. I want to talk about these lower tier characters, like Frieza's henchmen. I understand that the character models are there because they were there from, you know, the story mode, and they were there in the background. And if they're already made, it's very easy to just port them over to in-game fighting characters. Well, it's like, they're gonna do that kind of worthless stuff. Like, where is my damn Bulma? I know she's not a fighter, (laughs) but come on, for me, that would make all the difference in the world in terms of replayability because it's just so ludicrous. Yeah. Like, I got my pool, and oh. Hey, you're the only one on the planet that wants that. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. I bestowed that honor. But if we're going to get Frieza henchmen, I was really hoping for more of a group of maybe like uh, Garlic's henchmen or maybe Gokua or Bido. But now we're really scraping bottom of the barrel, and I think... Yeah, but at least they have names. 
I guess. <laughs> like, we're getting unnamed people at this point. I hate to see if we get a sparking four, you know, who are they going to throw in at this point? They can't really be enthusiastic about putting in any more of these characters. Like, it was a stretch for, hey, we got King Cold. All right, all right, that's kind of neat, you know, but Frieza Henchman. Frieza um, Henchman A, B, and C. Exactly. <laughs> Mary, I want to go back real briefly. Favorites to play as, not favorites to play as. You mentioned it's your favorite character. You just play his trunks yep. over and over. And then, you know, I will play the occasional ludicrous character. Like, someone is like, okay, I really want to see what it's like to fight as. Um... <laughs> I don't know, a giant mech-type character. Uh-huh. But you didn't enjoy playing as him. Is that because no, of the characters, or you don't like well, the characters? Well, I would characters? lose, so I don't like to lose. <laughs> we or did they make mention... the big characters. They make them deliberately slow. So. Yeah, yeah, we did mention we did Ozaru versus, like, Hildegon or something. and It was just painful to play it's as. It's all just a novelty. Right. And more characters doesn't equal better game, and that's the problem with this series for me. I do want to mention the last characters I have to get. I still haven't gotten King Cold, Future Gohan, and Chi-Chi. King Cold is at Cell Game Level 3, which just annoys me. And then um, Gohan and Chi-Chi are the... You have to wish for them. And I'm having trouble getting the Dragon Balls. More chicks. Well, she's she's a little chippy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's good. I play as 18 a bit every yeah. so often. Do you like not having to charge your key? I like it because I hate charging my key. That's something we've always hated about pretty much every Dragon Ball game is pausing to charge your but, key. But, you know, for, in the interest of realism to uh, the exactly. show, it's like, eh, you kind of have to. We'll get to that in a second, though, because it's time to get into the gameplay. Something I've noticed happened many times in the story mode was my opponent would get on, I guess you would say locked on to me, like I would knock them far away and they would kind of be turned around, they wouldn't see me. Many times, I remember specifically Janemba did this, he would just fly up, look around, fly down, look around, still facing the opposite direction. He would never turn around to see where I am. Did you have it set on easy? No, 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 I didn't. I actually tried it on different difficulties to see if this would happen. Janemba always did it to me. I would just sit there and wait like 20 seconds. He would never turn around. So I would just fly in, you know, charge up my key right behind him as he was flying up and down. So I feel like they kind of dropped the ball a little bit with the AI in that respect. That was definitely weird. Let's talk about the character balance. I I don't think it's that great. I've noticed, for example, if a character has a really good blast two attack, I don't see anything else holding them back to make them not overpowered. I'm I think there is some balance. Um, the character's suicide bit. attacks. Oh, let's talk about that then. Tenshin Han has his Shinki Koho, and if you don't kill your opponent, even if you do kill him, your health goes down to just a little bit. So that is some kind of balance thrown into the super attacks. But what else about Tenshin Han would you know bring him up where he needs that handicap? I don't see anything in particular. That seems more just like uh, being true to the story. Yeah, which uh, is good in its own respect. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Even on the higher difficulties, I've noticed that the AI very rarely uses some of the more advanced gameplay features like Sonic's Way. They just seem to spam regular attacks more often than try to be more diverse in what they do. Seems like difficulty just equals run in and hit me more often. Well, I wonder if then it would be different against two very skilled human opponents. Oh, absolutely. Just playing the, the AI that maybe is a little bit easier. I think the battles would be very different if I was playing against, you know, some of these crazy people online. You know, I have to wonder if these review of ours would be different if we were both a little more skilled and found more depth in the game, but maybe we're just kind of representative of the average player. Yeah, I'm not sure what exactly I do represent, because I take my fighting games pretty seriously, but But I don't... Is this a serious fighting game? Yeah, I don't feel the need to master every single aspect of the gameplay. Like, I feel like I'm about 75% of the way through 
knowing all of the intricacies of like the defense and the offense. You know, like I know after I hit someone, I can press X and do my you know, extra attacks in there. I know how to do my ping pong a little bit. You know, I have, I can break my guards and that kind of stuff, but I'm not always thinking about what all of my options are at the right time to do everything. So I don't know. Is that Sparking's fault? Is it my fault? So I don't know who I represent. I think that's a good way to phrase it. Mary, this is something I'm going to let you fly with because you're the one who brought it up to me. Okay. And that is long range fighting. Yes, which is something that's always kind of bugged me about this series. And one, you know, one of the big turnoffs from, um, you know, me not playing the first two games is that, okay, well, I'm going to go over here and charge and fire key blasts at you. But this game, and I don't know if it's because I'm, pl- I've played this game more than the other two or if they actually change something. It seems like fighting from a distance isn't necessarily an advantage. No, you have more options in this game of how to counter a long range attack. And I think you always have in this series. Like, Sparking really bumped it up from, say, Final Bout and the Super Butoden games, where the point of those pretty much would be hit someone far away so you can fly off, charge your key, and do a super move. Maybe they'll block it. Maybe they'll counter it. I mean, overall, I still feel that way about this series, but uh-huh. it seems um, less advantageous to Definitely. You know, stay a distance because, you know, someone can just teleport and kick your ass. So. Right. It's very easy to teleport past the attacks or to fly around the screen and get behind them at the same time. So I feel like it forces you to do a mix of close and long-range fighting. Which is good, because it was a very natural yeah. force mm-hmm. to get you to do that. I want to talk with you, Mary, a little bit about what you did on your own, as opposed to fighting against me. You went through tournament mode, and then just last night, you just did some general playing against the computer. Yeah, tournament, I did pretty well. I won. Then yesterday... I played the computer, I just had it set at random characters, and I lost two or three times, uh-huh. and I couldn't figure out why, especially since we were talking about how stupid the AI is. Yeah. So I guess maybe I was having an off night, I'm Oh, not that's sure. true. I have that all the time in fighting games where I have an off night, and Andrew wins, and I never ah. hear the end of it. <laughs> no. Um... Tell me a little bit about tournament mode. You did just the regular Tenkaichi Budokai, so there were ring outs. Mm-hmm. I prefer um, that. You stayed in the air most of the time, which I thought was interesting. You didn't rely on the ground. Yeah, I feel like it would be too easy for me to get knocked out of the ring if I stayed on the ground. Uh-huh. I guess if you fly up high enough, even if they kind of like overhand knock you down, there's enough buffer air where you wouldn't hit the ground. Yeah, I can get back in the air yeah. if I need yeah. to. Um, you did, I guess, the five fights and you won. Any other general thoughts on that tournament? How did it feel? I've liked tournament modes better in the other games. I don't know why. Yeah, I think they're it's pretty much the same thing, though. I know, but all these games are starting to feel alike to me. And I think... Well, you know, we I, have Budokai 1, 2, 3, Sparking 1, 2, 3. I have such a horrible time with like the PlayStation controller. It's all dial-a-combos for me. Okay. It's, not, it's not even that, because you're not even really doing combos. It's just punch three times, do some key attacks, charge up, punch three times... Do some key attacks, charge up super move. So it's um, interesting because when you do that and it works, you don't feel the need to go beyond that and do the other stuff. That's why it's not very challenging, but I'm probably just too casual a player to But learn that's okay that. because a lot of the market is just a casual player. Yeah, and and you know what? I like casual games because casual games are fun, but this wasn't that fun. You enjoyed this more than some of the other stuff. I do, though. and it, it I that is absolutely true, and I still didn't think it was that impressive. Let, let's talk real briefly about just the non-tournament mode stuff, just your regular versus mode fights. How did they I like go? It better, I like playing versus with a human better than the computer, because uh-huh. 
I feel like we kind of think along the same lines, but a computer I'm finding it hard to read. Yeah, Like yeah, yesterday yeah. when I was playing, it was totally unexpected from what happened during tournament mode. I don't know what happened there, if like the difficulty level got changed on me or what, but I'm probably just not good enough to enjoy it. <laughs> Do you see yourself playing this game much more? No. No? And it's so awful because I love Dragon Ball. Obviously, I do this show. It's still one of my favorite series. But I don't care enough about this game to play as my favorite characters because it doesn't offer me enjoyment I know to we, a huge degree. We kind of have the same wrap-up every time there's I know. A I'm game. really sorry because I know in our first review of the game, I was excited and I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. And I still stand by my opinion that this is the strongest of the three. But overall, I really find it hard to give a shit about these fighting games, you know, nowadays. You really seem to feel like they just don't have that kind of lasting appeal. No. But it's okay to have fun with the game for a little yes, bit. Yes, yes, I don't mind picking it up for a few minutes and playing it with you, but I do not feel the need to go through single player mode or mission modes or story modes. It's like mm. that would just be tedious and a waste you, of time. For you, you would me. never do that. You no. more enjoy just, oh, Mike's already unlocked everything. Let me play for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'll with play these for characters. 10 minutes and that's about it. Yeah. And I was going more along the lines of, you know, when the game first comes out, you play it. It's okay to enjoy a game for like two or three weeks and then I don't want to say it's okay to never play it again. No, because that's a waste of money. But for that, you should just rent it, which right. that's where I'm kind of thinking, um, you know, my recommendation is like, it's more of a rental than a purchase. Mm. I, I can see that with these games, especially if you own all of them. But if if you do own all of them, you love all of them, and you keep playing all of them, so... Well, maybe. I mean, we own all of them, we don't play all of them. Th- that's true. But we have to own them for the purposes of the show. Oh, and I do enjoy... That's another thing I'm getting to. I do enjoy playing it as I'm playing it for the length that I'm playing it. Even if I don't play it a year from now, I still feel like it was worth it to play the game and have enjoyment with the characters and the attacks and see how far Spike has come in the last year. I would enjoy it more if the characters were actually different from each other. Yeah. That's still my biggest, absolute biggest problem with these games. Now that we've had three Budokai, kind of like three and a half and a half because we had the PSP ones, we've had three Sparking games, we've got new systems out... We've talked about, you know, Mary, you want an all-new different kind of game. Yeah, I'm just sick of these, honestly. The fighting sick games? Sick to death of them. I mean, it's great they have the Japanese music and the voices, and we're getting these import games, and yeah, it's like the show, but I could not care less. You think we need to just stop the games for a while? But they're not gonna, because they're gonna continue to make money, so I'd rather see something all-new, and I know Sagas was an attempt to do something all-new, and that we saw how that turned out. Yeah. Well, we've had the card game stuff and some of that other, but nothing really seems to get that. Not that these games are triple-A titles, but I guess within the Dragon Ball world, this is, you know, the triple-A Dragon Ball game. Then we have, you know, the handheld games and other stuff. So, what should be the next triple-A refresh the franchise kind of game? Action or RPG. I'd be down with that. Saga's done correctly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see how this MMORPG is going to work because to me the Dragon Ball universe isn't fit for that because the characters are so specific. They're not, I don't know. That's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Which we'll talk about if we ever get any more news on yeah. it. We've had nothing in a while. So I guess we're pretty much done with Sparking Meteor for from a review perspective. I'm going to keep playing it to finish unlocking you know, my other characters. And, and I'll play with you occasionally because when I do play and I don't you know, get my ass handed to me by the computer, I do like playing with you. And I do think it's an improvement over the other games in this series. But it's still not enough to make me stop what I'm doing mm-hmm. and go play this game. Like for this review, honestly, when you were saying, okay, well, go play for a few minutes. And you feel like feel, a chore? It, it is feeling like a chore. But, yeah. but I felt bad for saying that because when I do sit down and play it, I do enjoy it. Uh-huh. But the prospect 
aspect of playing the game. You know, just the thought of it is kind of like, ah, I don't really care. But I, I do have fun when I actually sit down with it. Uh-huh. So I don't know why I think that way. Okay. It's weird. Well, no, it makes sense the, the way you think. I know how you think. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand where you're coming from with that. So I guess that's really it. I don't really know what my conclusion on it is. So this is a pretty bad final thoughts if you don't have final thoughts. I don't have a final thought. because false I think advertising. We've walked the line of being too negative, but when something's really good about the game, I don't know what to say about it to like harp on how good that aspect of it it's is. It's weird because I think we did have some positive things to say in our main review and now it, here it is two months later and I'm decidedly more negative about it for some reason and I don't know why. Right. Well, Sorry, I'm know- so weird. The game's out in the U.S. It's out on PS2 and the Wii. It's cheaper over here than it is in Japan, so that's a plus for it. So, you know, if any of this sounded interesting, so many characters pick it up. You probably already have it. But regardless, Budokai Tenkaichi 3, Sparking Meteor, it's out. We have no idea where the series of Dragon Ball games is heading, but let's make a prediction right now. We've had a new Sparking game in the exact same week every year for the last three years. Well, when people think Dragon Ball, they think fighting. So, of course, there's going to be fighting games. And unless they find a way to drastically redo things, which they can't. I mean, the closest thing we had from a deviation from the norm was Super DBZ. Right, and that was still a fighting game. Yeah, yeah, but a different type of fighting game. Right. And I don't see how you get any more different from the Super style or the Budokai style or the Tegaichi style. True. Uh, I feel like those are the ways you can do it. They've, yeah, they've it. covered it. So where do they go from here? Tekken so, style. In that like ultra-realistic oh, style where First the characters are actual, actually different from each other and if they 3D that, models. They would have to do a Dragon Ball no Z one to keep it very hand-to-hand, a little more realistic. Yeah. That same week in October next year, do you think we're going to see a Sparking 4? It's hard to tell with this Atari stuff going on. Well, Normally I would. It. Well, yeah, I know what you mean, but distribution and all that. Right. Licensing and whatnot. Legalese and... I, I guess we just have no idea. Because they did three say, Budokai, three Sparking. What the hell are we going to get okay, next year? Okay, here, we're going to probably get a shit ton of stuff next year because of the live action movie. Maybe we'll get a Street Fighter-esque Street Fighter, the movie, the video game. Oh! Dragon Ball Z, the movie, the video game. Sawada will be in there. It'll be awesome. No one knows what the fuck I'm talking about. That's all right. Fantastic. I want... I don't want that, though, but that would be pretty funny. <laughs> I want it. That's what I want. I want to play as James Marsters, as Piccolo, oh, in a fighting game. I hate to throw you off, but I want to say this before I forget. Okay. One style of fighting game that the Dragon Ball series hasn't done yet is a Naruto-esque kind of fighting system. A little more party-oriented? Yeah, where it's the four players and... Kind of like... Well, I guess Naruto is more like Power Stone-esque a little bit. Four players on screens. Well, it's almost like Smash Brothers a little bit. Yeah, but it's not quite D-O-N. so... Those were 2D, yeah, though. Yeah, 2D. So if you kind of like more of a top overhead 3D-ish. Yeah. I don't even D. like that style. I find it hard to navigate and orient myself, but it is something that they haven't done yet. And that seems to be doing successfully enough. Yeah. That'd be neat. And this is a perfect show for it because they have crazy powers and... And items and smash people around. Long story short, we have no idea what's coming out next year. We look forward to playing as something new because I guess we're kind of burnt out on these games. So I don't know what our final thoughts on Sparking Meteor are, but I'll keep playing it for a little bit. And I guess that's it. With that done, where do we go from here? I think we go to Mary in your top five list. Mary, 
Yes, sir. We talked about IGN's top twisty stuff, their yeah. list thing. I didn't particularly love some of what they thought were twists. I thought a lot of the stuff they picked were fun and entertaining, but I wouldn't qualify them as twists. Like he mentions a fusion. I wouldn't right. call that a, a twist. I'd call it a plot device. Okay. I agree with you there. But what you were going to do... I guess these are also plot devices. I guess a plot twist can be a plot device. Well, you can explain. Well, I guess we'll say we are going to do your top five plot twists. Yes. And this can be from anything the entire series. Although it's probably mostly Z. Um, or does it Yeah, it's mostly Z. Okay. Well, with everything that we go through, you can explain why you think it's more of a plot twist than a device, although it may cross over, whatever. Mm-hmm. Number five, marry your top plot twist from the series. Okay, number five is um, Trunks realizing that the androids in our time aren't the same as the ones from his time. I really like this one because it ends up being the same ones, but... He comes back, and he's really confused, and he confuses everyone else. They're like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? We're fighting them. What do you mean these aren't the right ones? Like, you expect this kid that came from the future and was explaining everything to everyone right, right, to be right, right. Mm-hmm. and for him to be shocked by something is like, oh, shit. So I kind of liked this because it's kind of paying attention to the fact that you go and you time travel, you mess up something mess somewhere, up. Yep. so something is going to change. So I like that attention to detail. Like Definitely. It's not exactly the same as his time. And it actually resulted in 16 coming out as well, mm-hmm. and that was different from what he was used to. And then we had Cell, although between like the four timelines that they talk about, Trunks does meet Cell at certain, whatever. But I like this. The, those aren't the right ones. It's a mm-hmm. very good one. Yes, because you're not that, expecting it. Exactly. I say that definitely qualifies as a twist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, how about number four? Number four is the realized connection between Piccolo Daimao and Kami-sama. I love this one. I mean, visual appearances, you know, aside, and, you know, maybe that's a little obvious. Well, that actually strikes me probably the most about this, because when Kami first comes out, Mr. Popo, like, introduces him, Goku freaks because yeah. he thinks it's Piccolo Daimo and he's like, oh, I gotta go kill him again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they have to stop it and like explain what the connection is. It must have been really cool reading and watching that as it was coming out because the readers and viewers probably had the same reaction as Goku. Like, yeah. what? I, I can vividly picture that slow motion as yeah. his head comes out there. What I like about it is it's, you know, the good and evil, but it's the same person. Mm-hmm. And like, that's I personally have never seen anything like that before. Like, it's the same person. It's not split personalities. They're two parts of the same whole. It is, but they're originally from the same person. (laughs) So I think it's kind of cliche, but in some respect, Toriyama did. It's a new spin on it. Yeah, a new spin on it. So I think that's that's also a a twist. And it was pretty new to Dragon Ball. Like, they had never really done anything like that before. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Hey. 
How about number three, then? Number three is a twist to me. I don't know if it is for other people. Okay. But it is Vegeta killing himself. Because you don't ever expect him to be that self-sacrificing. Yeah. Like, he's selfless. Right, right. And, you know, you figure he's so badass and he's so proud. Why would he ever do this? Let, let me go off of that. You're obviously talking about the Boo saga yeah. after he's become Majin Vegeta. The point of him becoming under Babidi's charm was he's grown so accustomed to being on Earth. He's got that side of him that's like, I need need to return to what I was before. And he, despite everything that he did to get to that point, he couldn't get rid of the love that he's had grow within him and he uses that like he can't overcome that part of him i think that was a, a good twist because you're like oh shit vegeta's evil again like he hit goku from behind and all that stuff but in the end he still sacrifices himself and i mean it's a very powerful scene regardless mm -hmm. i think I, I can see the twist in there that like it's an expected twist well the twist is that it sticks it wasn't a haha gotcha he actually survived the blast no he is you know dead he's as a door Nail. Yeah. I mean, for the time being. Well, he but he got better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it didn't stick. Number two, then. Number two. Again, I'm biased. This is Trunks arriving. And this was also on the IGN list. Yeah. Um, showing up and pretty much explaining, you know, what's about to happen. And who he is. Mm -hmm. and it was a very sci-fi storyline. Let me go off of this. I saw a lot of responses in the forum thread about this. A couple people were like, you know what? It's a really bad story there. You're forcing two characters together that otherwise, why would these two ever, ever get together? There's no reason for them to. Well, who, what are we talking about? Trunks Bulma and, and Vegeta. Oh, Bulma and Vegeta. Obviously. Okay. I don't know if this was anime filler or in the comic, but she kind of flirts with Vegeta. Yeah. I don't think it's too forced. I think maybe this even comes back to our conversation about gender roles, though, where she had long outgrown her role in the series and women become nothing more than plot devices to get more male characters. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like that was a Toriyama cop-out to bring in that kind of character. But Trunks, compared to everyone else, to me is somewhat more feminine just in his speech and his mannerisms. Well, yeah, he's very different. So from he's the not other some bad... I mean, aside from killing Friesen being very strong compared to how other people act, he's not a flat-out badass. Mm -hmm. He's just a very nice kid who gets angry sometimes. So it's not like Toriyama was writing like the ultimate bad boy character and just, you know, usable want to get there. He made a character that I know a lot of people really don't like because they think he's wussy. But, but then his alternate character from the main timeline is just a brat, so... Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> Since you're on the defensive, let me read this comment here. This is what Rocketman wrote on the forum. So maybe you can answer because I'm kind of in between here mm -hmm. where I'm kind of like, but I feel like that kind of character is very cliche. But regardless, let me read this list. One, pretty boy with unique hair. Two, stronger than all established characters. 
3. Child of two established characters who've barely looked at each other. 4. Kills big bad villain with no trouble just to show how, quote, badass he is. 5. Uses a sword for no reason. 6. Everybody likes and trusts him except for the asshole and he comes around in the end anyway. 7. Dark past of woe and angst. <laughs> I, I think one here, one thing here is the sword, like the sword for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a little... I'm going to chalk it up to the environment that he came from. Okay. Maybe people are just so desperate, they're harder, they know how to use weapons. Mm-hmm. And plus, again, I mean, stylistically, there's no one in the show that has a weapon. I think maybe Toriyama. I think Trunks, well, we as a character a himself, was just Toriyama experimenting with, I want to do something new. Uh-huh. There's not anyone in the show that, you know... It's time traveler so has a dark Dragon past. Ball, that kind of a character is a bit of a twist. I think it's a twist, and it's Toriyama kind of indulging and in maybe creating a character he hasn't made yet in uh-huh. the show. And we know he has tried to make a lot of characters, and he ends up not liking them. I'm thinking about some of his Doctor Slump characters, where he tries to draw superheroes, and then realizes that he can't draw them, and he just makes them really weak. So it looks like <laughs> it worked out well with Trunks here. So Trunks could have been a failed experiment, maybe. Maybe. And the it's twist kind of is like that it works. Terminator too, though, because yeah. you yeah. know the guy comes back to protect the lady who was supposed yeah. to have the guy who. Uh, but except that he's actually coming back to protect his friends because he is that kid. And, right. Oh, never mind. It's too complicated. <laughs> well, I figure love it or hate it, it's still a twist. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is coming out of left field, especially for Toriyama and for Dragon Ball. Right. So I, um, I'm down with you there. We've talked enough about number two. Let's talk about number one. What is your number one plot twist in Dragon Ball? My number one plot twist is Goku's not from Earth. He's an alien. Dun, dun, dun. And at this point, it's kind of weird because we're so used to that. It's I like, know. well, duh, of course he is. He's a he's a Saiyan. He's a Saiyan. He's got a tail. But yeah. it just kind of was overlooked for so long, like the tail. Like we didn't really think twice twice about it. I think what makes that such a twist is it puts the earth in perspective. Yeah. Like, yeah, we have our own God and all that kind of stuff, but in the grand scheme of things, they're pretty insignificant. All these other galaxies, these hemispheres, and the other god hierarchies and stuff. And yeah, most of it still revolves around the Earth for some reason. Apparently Goku draws all of this evil towards him and stuff. But... I, I guess, like I said, it just puts the Earth in perspective in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, we have the Saiyajin race, we have more races, we have aliens. And we had some hints of that before, but it was all on Earth, and this brought us out into the galaxies. It was neat because, you know, as a viewer, you think you know Goku, and you think you know everything about him, but then you're just as shocked as he and everyone else is when Raditz when his drops brother his bomb. shows up. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of little twists in there, which pretty much just culminate in... Goku is an alien. Great, Mary, those are your top five plot twists in Dragon Ball. Good times. So we will move on, with that said, over to the releases. So by the time this episode comes out, there will only be one more thing coming out in December that we are aware of. Julian, take it away. Okay, so coming up on December 12th, which is a Wednesday, is Spain's Remastered Volume 17. This is a two-disc set per the norm, and it contains DBZ TV episodes 134 to 141 of La Saga de Cell. Going into Cell showing up for the first time, is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Okay, now this retails for 24.95 euros. 
Heroes, and more info, as always, can be found on sonadvd.com. Cool shiz. And as far as I know, that's it for releases. So I'll take it over to the emails. Mary, why don't you read our first email here from Adam? Alrighty, he writes. <laughs> Problem with this, with the name Adam is that it's forever butchered for me by Buffy. So when I see the is name it? Adam, that didn't even occur to me I, it, for a second. Really? No. I always picture Adam now. I've purged season four from my memory. I liked it. Anyways. I like the individual episodes. Okay. Anyway, Adam, why don't you just Adam think of Ava or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Actually, it was more Ava than uh, yeah, Buffy. Yeah, I don't know why. It's Buffy exclusively to me. Anyways, Adam writes to us. To me, Adam is a name. And this is Adam. Anyway, he writes, Hey, everyone, I have two questions. The first one is, whatever happened to the site Corey was going to put up about the insulting Funimation remastered box set? I would love to see all the images that show the terrible choice for widescreen. I myself own the box set for one reason only, because it's... It's the only legal way to buy it. I may have missed some things that were screwed up by widescreen. After the Trunks vs. Frieza stuff, I own everything full screen. After this season 4 box set comes out, I'm not going to buy any more of them. My second question is, have you ever taken the time to put in this special uncut version of Dead Zone and notice the audio commentary? I know you said screw the ultimate uncut version, but if you want to laugh, you should see how far you can make it into this crap. The only thing is you can't switch out of the dub. I'm a mixed breed about Dragon Ball. I can survive the dub, but I have most of the Japanese music on my iPod. P.S. Great job on the podcast. P.P.S. Edit this down if it's too long to read on the podcast so that you can read it on the podcast. Well, wow, we read did it. no editing podcast. whatsoever. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Uh, first question there. What happened to the psychor is going to put up, I believe his computer exploded. And after he would put so much work into getting everything done, it was like hours and hours and days of his life. When his whole system crashed, he was like, you know what? Fuck it. So. I figure, I mean, I personally also would love to have seen the site go up, yeah. but I think everyone did a great job of dispelling rumors, putting enough evidence that the spirit of what his site would have been. I agree, but I think we're still missing a really authoritative central location. To point I agree. People. I am, especially recently, again, I'm seeing a lot of comments on other forums where people are asking, oh, so what's wrong with these boxes? Like, they know right off the bat there's something wrong with them, mm-hmm. but a lot of the responses I'm seeing are, oh, it's just whiny fans who blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no! It's not that we're whining about it. It's like, how do you give negative opinions, and it's not even opinions, negative facts about something without sounding whiny about it? It all comes back to people needing to justify their purchases, I think, and getting really upset and, like, personifying their purchases and getting offended when My there's negative things. My box set's name is Bob! Don't you upset him. He <laughs> oh, likes dear. Being widescreen. <laughs> he likes having his head and his feet chopped off. He's special. Uh, so I, I agree. I think the spirit is out there. And I'm losing my voice. What the fuck is happening? I'm hitting puberty. I'm in puberty. Oh my god, it's a girl next to me. Oh, yes, I got boobs. Want to see? <laughs> no, I was screaming on the phone all day at work. So I think Awesome. Is, yeah. Anyways, um, so yes, that was that. Uh, let's answer the other question. Um, I know you said screw the ultimate on cup version. I don't really know what that means. I don't think I would say screw that version. Like, it's got the to Japanese us, version. It's the on most it. right version. 
but they stopped. Yeah, well, let's specifically talk about Dead Zone. That That is the, the most accurate version that's out over here in terms of, you know, it's got Steve subtitles and all that stuff, but we don't need to talk about that. Let's talk about the commentary on it. I believe there's commentary by Chuck Huber and maybe someone else. I don't know. I've never listened to it. I hear it's really, really awful. At the same awful time, how? I hear a lot of people that say, oh, it's really funny. Like, it's just inane conversation. Some people like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not our sense of humor. I can tell you right now. Yeah, absolutely. When I'm listening to commentary, I want, like, in-depth behind the scenes thoughts on things and especially where it's dub voice actors and people involved with the dub i didn't watch that dub like there's two dubs and that's the one that i definitely wouldn't watch anyways so what the fuck do i care about what those people said about that dub like maybe it would be interesting yeah, but to you're hear. the minority yeah exactly but to answer the question no we haven't listened to it and from what i hear people say about it both who like it and who dislike it it definitely sounds like something i am not interested in listening to so okay. is that a fair enough answer I guess. I mean, I now you got me intrigued because I didn't know this existed. Oh, maybe we'll pop it in, spot check it or something. No, I'm intrigued, but I'm not motivated. You know what I will do? I will listen to maybe not all of it, but I'll try to find something in there that points out why I would not like it. I like that. Maybe, yeah. Maybe an example of this is the epitome of why this is not something I would want to listen to. This is why I'm not the target audience. <laughs> we could do an infomercial. Where we didn't sell anything. We sold a, a, a screaming, yelling technique to firm your abs. Mm-hmm. We'd call it the... <laughs> That's right, are you hooing? <laughs> guy with the flabby abs instead you <laughs> scream and yell and make your abs strong like a strong ab guy <laughs> <laughs> i've always people have asked us to do this too i wanted to do my own commentary for dbz movies we'll line it up exactly to go with an audio track of the movie i would really like to do but something we didn't like make that. it what the hell did i you know say? but i have lots of my own inane thoughts and god That's damn it you safer at home by if, yourself if funimation can do it I can too. Yeah, but they legitimately had something to do with it, even if it is only just a localization. Here we go. I've purchased Dead Zone enough fucking times that I am entitled to make my own commentary track for that movie. Oh, man. You're in your dream world, man. I know. I'm flying off. Julian, why don't you... I think we answered the questions there. Read the next email from Alfred. This is kind of long. Alfred. Alfred writes, and I'm trying not to read this with a Cockney accent. Do it. Batman. Do it. Oh, no, 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 no. All right. Hey, guys. I'm sort of a new listener and recent fan of your site. I think it's great, so much so that it's number one on my bookmarks to get the latest DB info from an actual credible source. I've been a fan of Dragon Ball ever since I was in high school nearly six years ago, and even now, when studying to be a pharmacist, it still has a place in my heart. When I stumbled upon your site a few months ago, I thought it would be a regular DB fan site that would fall off the map like so many others, but I was pleasantly surprised when I found out you've been going strong for seven years. Seven years? Anyway. Ten years. Continue. At the time, I was looking for the lyrics to the insert song Unmei no Hi, Tamashi Tai Tamashi, also known as Day of Fate, Soul vs. Soul, and I wanted to thank Julian for trans Translating it as it has become my favorite song on an anime ever. Most likely because Gohan is my favorite character. Hey, thanks. Cool. <coughs> anyway. 
Um, anyway, I know I'm droning on, so here's my questions. I've heard this background music in the original Japanese version of DBZ when Goku gives his Maybe You'll Come Back Someday dialogue to Kid Buu before he finishes him off with the Genki Dama. I wanted to know which soundtrack of the series has this song, and if possible, its actual name. I also would like to know which one has the most of the background music that is... I guess you could say unique to the androids slash cell saga, such as the themes that accompany cell when he's on screen. Thanks for reading, and I just wanted to say I think you're doing a great job. I've seen devoted fans like yourselves sometimes get blasted for stupid reasons, like not releasing stuff fast enough or just playing insane things. Like, I didn't like the color of the Kamehameha in that one video game. End quote. But... Being a working guy myself, I'm very glad, y'all. I'm from Texas, by the way. Oh, crap. (laughs) So much for my accent. Um, Devote so much time to the one of the greatest manga-slash-anime series ever created. Didn't we actually talk about the color of the Kamehameha being wrong? We did, but it wasn't in a serious kind of way. But I think I might have joked, wow, this is a really fanboyish (laughs) conversation. Why are we talking about the colors of the Kamehameha? That's kind of ironic. Yes. So I, I'm, I'm sort of a new listener and a recent fan of your <laughs> No, design. you don't need to reread uh, it. I think it's great. So fun. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> when I had you read it, I forgot that it was actually praising you, but I guess that was appropriate to have you read that email. Say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I appreciate the praise. Was that and, one of the songs that you had some additional things you wanted to update in it? Um, yeah, I, I have a lot of old translations that I need to go back and fine-tune since, you know... I'm, I don't have to have my head stuck in a dictionary with, as I'm translating nowadays. <laughs> right. You know, it's always a matter of free time. I've got stuff going on this weekend with uh, grad school applications needed to be sent in. And Right. Well, no, you don't need to do it right now, but I just wanted to confirm that this maybe would be one that you might go back to eventually and oh, yeah. get one or two little things in. Well, let's answer the questions here. The background music that plays when Goku finishes off Chibibu with the Yinkidama. I knew pretty much exactly what it was. I had Mary confirm it for me. Well, I can't say that with confidence. Well, I checked it, and it was accurate. Okay, cool. (laughs) The song that plays there in the background actually originates in Dragon Ball Z Movie 7, and interestingly enough, it's a Genki-Dama tune over in that movie. Uh, It's the song that plays when Goku is forming the Genki-Dama, which he then absorbs to uh, finish off number 13 over there. It was reused in the Buu Saga there for that purpose. Anyways, so if you would like to find this song on CD, this is interesting. The way that background music from movies is released on CDs in Japan is it's contained in a track that has multiple pieces of background music in it and the title of the track is the title of the movie. So, Well, that was in the five CD set, right? Yes, but I believe it's also that way on the recent three CD background music collection set as well. Oh, okay. So, Julian, the title of movie seven is... Kyokugen Battle Sandai Super Saiyajin. Yes. So that is the title of the movie seven. That's what you're looking for on CDs to get this tune. Now, which CDs would have this tune? I believe you have three choices. The first place you can get this tune, and this is actually recently re-released, I think, 
is Ongakushu, Volume 1. This is, uh, I guess you would say, Background Music Collection, and that would be track 9 on this CD. This is a CD exclusively of DBZ movie background music. It's also got some uh, Hedgehala stuff on there, the vocal version and instrumental, and then Zenkai Power at the end. Anyways, that's got background music from DBZ Movies 1 through 7, so that's on there as track 9. It was also included on the 5-CD Daizenshu set, disc 5. Five is background music from Dragon Ball movies 1 through 3 and then DBZ movies 1 through 9. So it is over on that disc and that set as track 13 on disc 5. And then most recently, I guess you would say, is the Dragon Ball Z BGM collection. And so over on that collection on disc 2 track 10, same thing, the name of the movie is the name of the track with background music from that movie and it's there. So you have three places to get that specific specific background music. Now, I'm not going to pretend to be naive and people won't use that information to find a place to go download it. However, we do have a music database on our site with catalog numbers of all these things that I've referenced. The Ongakushu has been re-released recently. It's pretty cheap. I think it's like 12 bucks now with what the exchange rate is. It's really cheap. Pick that up if you love the music. The background music set is fantastic. Let's get to the other question though, and that is where can you get the majority of the Jinzo Nigen cell era music. What you want there would be the Daizenshu set or the BGM collection. Just go with the BGM collection because that 5 CD set is out of print. The BGM collection has more background music than that set did and it contains movie music as well which will get you that track from movie 7 that you're looking for. So go ahead and get that stuff that is available. It is in print. It came out February 2006 so it's Actually, almost two years old. That was two years ago? Wow. God damn. Anyways, it's listed as 4,500 yen. So you're looking at around 40 bucks upwards of there to get the set. But it's 60 tracks. It's three CDs. It's got everything you're looking for. It sounds a lot nicer than the old CDs did. So that is what you want, Alfred. And let me know when you get it. And I would love to hear what you have to say about it. I think that answers all of the questions Alfred had. And those are the two emails for this episode. Julian, if people have questions or comments or anything about the show that they would like to send to us, where do they go? They go to New Jersey to Mike's apartment. <laughs> and, uh, no, that's true. <laughs> they send it to box. podcast at dizex.com. That's P O D C A S T at D A I Z E X dot C O M. Is that correct? That is absolutely 110% correct. Wow. wow I didn't know you could be more correct than correct. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's it. So that was episode 106. Mary, I had a phenomenal time discussing Sparking Meteor with you. Oh, yes. It was quite enlightening. (laughs) Julian, amazing to speak with you, as always. Of course. Yes. Do we know what we are doing next week for a show? I think next week is the first time in a while that we don't already have it planned out. Cool. The sky's the limit. So we'll uh, come up with a topic for next week. That'll be episode 107 of the show. You know, in January, Daizenshu EX will be 10 years old. Sort of, kind of, if you want to do the math. We'll talk about that later. That is great. What do we have on plate? We have some contests coming up in the near future. We got in a prize today from a lovely listener and fan who has actually donated stuff in the past. So this is probably one of my favorite people on the face of the planet. And you know who you are. And you have 
died love from us here at Daisenju EX. That's it. Mary? Creepy. Let's um, clean, I guess. And then I want to play video games. Okay. Well, I guess I should probably edit this tonight. Yeah, yeah. We'll clean tomorrow. Don't worry about it. All right, whatever. Julian? Yeah? It is Saturday morning for you right now. What are you off to do today? Um... Well, not too much. I may take in a couple of temples in and around Osaka, but my main thing for today is to work on grad school stuff to get it out of the way. And I don't even know if I'm going to be going next fall because I might end up staying in Japan longer, but I don't know. So to hedge my bets, I'm doing it now. Have all your bases covered. Yep. Nice. Are you playing any video games right now? you getting any DS action going on? Uh, I've been, you know, working pretty hard on the DS Kanken, which is the kanji study game. That's that's kind of the game. Is it really a game, or is it just the dictionary? It does have games in it, although it seems to progress to really hard very quickly, so it's uh, very frustrating to play the games that are included. Gotcha. I'm like, okay, tree, origin, okay, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Cat, what the hell is that? <laughs> this game sucks. <laughs> oh, good stuff. All right, well, I guess that's going to wrap up the episode. We will see you next week. Stay tuned to the site. I'm assuming there will be some more news this week. I've always got live-action movie news, and maybe there will be some more Atari developments and all that stuff. So that wraps up episode 106. For Mary over here from Temple O-Trunk, spell it real fast. T-E-M-P-L-E-O-T-R-U-N-K-S dot com, and leftover stuff from eBay is up until Wednesday. Okay. By the way, that's my shameless plug. Thank you. So for you over there, and for Julian, who is with me at Daizenshu EX, spell it out, it's the site, podcast, stuff. We can be found at www.daizex.com. That's Daizex, the pool. For those two wacky folks, and for this really creepy snag kudadin staring at me on my desk, I am Mike, how you say the Vegito EX, and I am going to edit this podcast. That, that's that's pretty self-explanatory. Yes, it is. Yes. <clears throat> anyway, Daizenshu EX, the podcast. Podcast? Let me try that again. <laughs> Daizenshu EX, the podcast. Thanks for listening to us this week. See you next time. I'm sort of a new listener and recent fan of your site. I think it's great, so much so that it's number one on my bookmarks to get the latest DB info from an actual, credible source. Did I say Ooh. actual? I think you said actual. Actual, credible. Let's try that again. I think it's great, so much so that it's number one on my bookmarks to get the latest DB info from an actual, credible source. And for Julian, who is with me at Daizenshu EX, spell it out, it's the site, podcast, stuff. We can be found at www.di... Let's start that again. (laughs) Let's not give them the wrong address. (laughs) We can be found found at www.daizex.com. That's daizex. Say it in Spanish. Let, let me uh, let me think about this for a second. No, no thinking. Good, no. Because we have Spanish no, listeners, no, it should be proper. Nos, nos, es, nos escuchar. Uh, nos escuchar. You just want to uh, hear Julian with a sexy accent. I just like watching him struggle. Hasta la vista.
Hasta vista. Hasta la vista. Hasta la vista. Hasta what? What's the hasta la hasta la tarde? No, that's until evening. Um, what's the next time? Hasta el próximo. Hi. Okay. Daisen Shu EX, el podcast. Gracias por nos escuchar. Jikayo Tarasvini. Damn it, it's been like five years since I took Spanish, okay? French. Daisen Shu EX, le podcast. Merci pour nous écouter. À la prochaine. German. I don't know German. Why not? Because. Chinese. I don't know Chinese. Latin. Uh, There's no word for podcast in Latin, Mike. <laughs> I'll just say podcast. Podcastum. <laughs> um, hmm. Australian. Uh, well, if we get an Australian listener, they're probably going to crucify me for this accent, but <laughs> the podcast. That sounds more like... Um, Chris Abbott's impersonation. <laughs> Not that Australian, really Australian is a language, but...